This is Hashtag History, episode 55. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. Whoa, 55. 55. That's crazy, right? That's middle-aged. <laughs> I feel it. Almost over middle-aged. I feel it. Yeah. We feel it. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts to stand up when we finish recording. It's we true. feel it. Yeah, we do. We feel <laughs> we feel it. We feel the 55. Yeah. This week, we are talking all things cults. But we're covering a cult that I feel like of the really big cults, the People's Temple in Jonestown, the Manson family, the Branch Davidians at Waco, even more recently, Nexium. I feel like this particular one always seems to fall to the bottom of the list. I don't know if you felt that way or you've, I mean, you, you're familiar with what we're talking about this week. Yeah, I've definitely heard of it. I know the basic basics of it. Um, but yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. It's not the ones that your people are doing podcasts about. Correct. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not as sensationalized. So this week we are talking about Heaven's Gate, a religious cult centered around the idea that God is an extraterrestrial being and that in order to reach the highest level, what they called the next level was to be swept up by a comet. So we're mixing Christianity and UFOs here, folks. Fun. <laughs> The most tragic part about the story, though, is that in 1997, 39 cult members, including their leader, Marshall Applewhite, were found to have committed suicide in order to attain this next level, making it the largest mass suicide on U.S. soil. When the bodies were located, authorities found them all to be wearing the exact same clothing and that each of them had five dollars and three quarters in their pockets. I did not know that. That is interesting. We will get to all of that and more, but we are Definitely going to need a drink to get through this week's episode. I concur. <laughs> I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And this is Hashtag History. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. So for this lovely story, I thought I'd try to find a cocktail that more closely relates to the belief system of the Heaven's Gate cult. Rachel will be digging into all that much deeper later in the episode, but as a brief overview, reincarnation, coming of Christ, aliens, and something about a comet, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they were big into aliens and space and whatnot, so... That is why I chose the drink called the Bailey's Comet Cocktail. That's fantastic. And it also kind of like, it feels very uh, holiday-y to mm -hmm. me. And it's before Christmas, right? When, when we're, we're recording, recording this. Mm -hmm. You guys won't get it until I think mid-January. But yeah, I think it, it fits with our Christmas vibes going. Yes, yes I, I'm super excited about a holiday beverage. Yeah, and I will say it looks like Pepto-Bismol. One million percent. Because it contains butterscotch schnapps. Oh, can't wait. Bailey Irish cream, which gives it that creamy kind of color. And then cinnamon schnapps. And the, the brand that we got is color it's like red color Bright cinnamon red. schnapps. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what's giving it the Pepto-Bismol look. Yes. Um. And then there's also an option to float sambuca or sambucha mm -hmm. on top. And that, I just wasn't into that idea. It's like another one of those florally kind of flavored okay. liqueurs that we're just not fans of. Right. And also, I mean, it's an additional expense, I'm sure. Yeah. 
So we are once again going the cheap route and choosing not to spend $30 on a bottle of alcohol we may never drink again. So we have chosen, again, not to add a floating shot of that Sambuca to our drink, but feel free to do so yourself if you so choose. And perhaps it should be added that we also did not buy the official Bailey's because also, again, hashtag cheap. Uh, I bought the knockoff version of Irish cream. Yeah, no. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate you for that choice. (laughs) Cheers. Cheers. This is an excellent drink. And you know what is amazing about it is the aftertaste. When you wait for a little bit, your mouth feels cool. It feels like you just had mouthwash. Experiment. Mm -hmm. Um, You want to know what else would be excellent adding to this? Mm -hmm. Eggnog. You don't like eggnog. Yeah, I'm, saying I'm not a big eggnog person. I might add eggnog to mine. Probably a nine. Well, let me think about this. 8.5. Why? Is it less than? The color is a little off-putting. It is. <laughs> the color's <laughs> off-putting. Um, it, it is delicious, though. It's delicious. The aftertaste is great, which I feel like a lot of drinks don't have. Like a, Even if they taste good, they don't have an excellent aftertaste. Something I want to address up front, which is something we've shared in many of our episodes and several times on Instagram, both in our stories and during our lives, is that Leah and I are for sure on an FBI watch list. 100%. No? Yes. It's for the web searches that we do in order to gather all the information needed to put together a very thorough and very well-researched episode. You sometimes have to go down some really dark and really suspect rabbit holes. I hope that they just do their due diligence and like see, oh, they have a a history slash true crime podcast. Yeah, if if they're doing background checks on us anyway, they'll know. They'll see that. Maybe they listen the pod oh is that is our fbi gal a, a fan <laughs> she, she's a fan she has she she listens or, or she does all her web searches like checking out my stuff while wearing a hashtag history sweatshirt yes yeah i love it whoever you are we love you thank you <laughs> thank you for the support <laughs> um there's something like rather unique though about the web searches conducted in order to put together this week's episode mm. because one of those web pages that I perused was the legit OG official Heaven's Gate website. Yeah. That's correct. They You're s- going to get a postcard in the mail from that. <laughs> well, like I said, uh, the Heaven's Gate website, it's an active, ongoing website that current members are keeping up. I'm already on the watch list for this particular website, so you might as well be too, Leah. So check out the website great and tell our I'm listeners, actually scared but let's do it yeah it, I mean it, yeah <laughs> but tell our listeners what you see on here okay so it looks straight out of a 90 a red alert oh there's a pop-up red alert at the top it's straight <laughs> like in comic sans font I want I was if you didn't say comic sans I was gonna mention that at some point yes it the backdrop is just a starry sky with mm-hmm. a comet there's multiple comments. Which is it, not going to lie similar to what my MySpace background looked like. This is a MySpace page. Like, truly, thank you for saying that. If you, like, put a lot of effort into your MySpace into coding page your, yeah. and coding it and making the backdrop look special and stuff, this is what it looks like. It's like yes. a late 90s, early 2000s website. All the fonts are different colors. They're all different fonts. There's definitely <laughs> a big pop-up saying Red Alert and Comic Sans. Um, you scroll down, there's like purple links to other things, which I'm not even going to (laughs) begin to click through. I'm sure you did. Um, and (laughs) oh my God, it's, I'm actually, thank you. 
this made me happy. Yeah, I know. Because it's like nostalgia, right? <laughs> it's This actually takes me back. Yeah. They don't put a lot of effort into their uh, marketing, do they? Well, it's just, it's clear that they've not progressed beyond what they were. I mean, if they need some graphic design work, just Do not me. offer your graphic design skills to the Heaven's Gate cult. <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> but yeah, exactly what you just said. It screams 90s, right? It does. It is a perfectly preserved time capsule. I can't believe you just offered your services to the Heaven's Gate cult. Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't really do it unless they offered me a lot of money. And then you're interested. No, maybe not even then. But I mean, I'd consider it. <laughs> The website is a perfectly preserved time capsule of the early days of web design, which is pretty ironic since the primary way that members of this cult made money was by designing websites. No. Yes. We will get to all of that. This is still a very active website because the people that upkeep the site are hardcore members that believe that they were left behind here on Earth for this very purpose, to upkeep the website. Oh. It's like... That's an interesting um, purpose. purpose. Yeah. It's not just the website design that is dated. If you click around further on the site, which Leah refused to do, you'll find a whole section where you can rent educational material from them. And this educational material is provided to you on VHS. Oh, my God. I had to get rid of my VHS player. It was... I think when I moved out of my parents' house, and was, I was, it was sad. It was devastating. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then I had to sell all the VHSs too. Did you actually sell them? Garage sale. Nice. People nice, took nice. them. But yeah. It, this thing is dated. I want to. Can we take a poll when this episode comes out to see how many of our listeners actually even know what a VHS is? I would love to do that. Anyway, I'm getting way ahead of myself here, but I just wanted all of our listeners to know that this cult is not a thing of the past. There are still believers today, and their perfectly 90s era preserved website is evidence of that. Cool, 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 cool. So let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. And why did I just sing a song from Sound of Music other than the fact that it's one of my all-time favorite movies? And it's isn't it one of those things that people watch during the holiday season? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And every no. other season. <laughs> yeah. I was like, do you have to wait till the holiday season? No. The reason why I brought it up is because we are going to talk about Sound of Music quite a bit in relation to the Heaven's Gate cult. Weird, right? What? They have a little bit of everything here. <sighs> I digress, though. We'll get there. So we're at the beginning. Let's start with a picture of Marshall Applewhite, the person that would become the leader of the Heaven's Gate cult. Marshall Applewhite, which is a really interesting name. Psycho Eyes. Psycho Eyes. Um, <laughs> staring into my soul. Sorry, my eyes are closed and I can't. She's looking at the picture with her eyes closed. I feel like if I look too long, <laughs> she's literally, her eyes have been closed for the last 20 seconds. He's going to hypnotize me and I'm going to become a follower. <laughs> she's avoiding eye contact with the picture. He has crazy eyes. Yeah. We've talked about like, oh, she's a normal looking woman, but her f***ing crazy eyes. Yes. And he is the epitome of f***ing crazy eyes. <laughs> Holy shit. She is avoiding the picture. I am. She's exiting out of the picture and not looking. She doesn't know where the X is. 
It's gone. It's done. Oh my god. Okay, so I guess you guys won't get much of a description. No, okay. Of him other he's than an he's elderly crazy white man with <laughs> crazy eyes. Okay, that's all you need to know. I'm sure they'll see the picture on Insta. <laughs> so that was Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. He was born on May 17th, 1931, wow. in Spur, Texas, and was the son of a preacher man. He attended Corpus Christi High School. Hey, Selena. Hey. Just oh. kidding. She didn't attend oh. traditional high school. That's right. She did online school. Mm-hmm. But or, she's from, or mail-in school yeah, at the time. In, in those days. Uh, he considered himself to be a relatively religious guy growing up. Again, he was the son of a minister, so it was kind of his life. When he went on to Austin College, he studied philosophy and then later attended Union Presbyterian Seminary to study theology and to become a preacher like his father. We know all of this time, though, that he had a major heart for music. He loved it. And from the research that I've done, it sounds like he was pretty good at it. What? Yes. I want to hear. I there's I think there is videos, videos of it. Uh, he loved it. Many people were really impressed by his musical skills. He had a fantastic baritone voice. And they also said he was a great actor. Supposedly, he at one point did try his hand at going pro by auditioning in NYC. There's something about you. Oh, anyway, he auditioned in NYC, but it didn't work out. He ended up quitting the preacher path. And after doing lots of other things like getting married, having two kids and serving in a branch of the U.S. Army, he went back to school to get his master's in music. He would go on to become the head of the music department at the University of Alabama. This career was short-lived, though. He only worked at the school for two years before he left the job or was fired from the job. The version varies based on sources, but all sources agree as to the reason for his departure. It was revealed that Applewhite had been having a sexual affair with one of his male students. Oh. I unfortunately wasn't able to locate much more information than that. What I really wanted to find was information about whether this was like a loving consensual relationship or if it was one of those abuse of power type relationships, Mm. but I couldn't find anything on that. What we do know though, is that Apple white, the son of a preacher man and someone that had grown up in the church and likely many of the people in his inner circle were Christian did not receive approval for this same sex relationship. And we know for sure that his wife did not approve of it within years of learning of the affair. His wife and children left him took years It was actually like three years after the affair that she left him. And sadly, we start to see a drastic mental decline for Applewhite following these events. This is the part that makes me like sad. Mm -hmm. I think it's completely valid to have empathy for him at this period in his life. He would later take a teaching job at the University of St. Thomas in Houston, which is a private Catholic school. And he also was very involved in the Episcopal Church there. There's a period of time here where he seemed to accept his sexuality. He was dating both men and women, but he eventually fell into a deep depression, which forced him to leave his job at the university. Around this time, his father passed away, which only drove him deeper into his depression. Okay, so we've established that things weren't easy for Applewhite growing up, but now we've made it to the meat cute that is going to change everything. In 1972, Applewhite met a woman named Bonnie Nettles. 
It's unclear exactly how they met. And I think this is intentional. They intentionally kept the story vague, although the most widely accepted version is that they met at the hospital that Nettles was a nurse at when Applewhite was there for treatment for a near-death experience he had had. I, in my like very limited research, uh-huh. some people were like, "It's a, it was a psychiatric hospital. Yes. But I don't know. So it, it's... Very vague. The way that they told the story of how they met was that he was at the hospital to visit a friend. Mm. But he has family members that have said, like, no, he was having, like, heart issues. And so that's why he was at the hospital. Uh, But other people, like you just said, have said, like, he was having, like, a psychiatric breakdown. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, valid. Valid. Up to this this point, we have empathy for this guy. Yeah. Apparently, Nettles told Applewhite that he hadn't died you know, whatever, for, for, from this near-death experience that he had because he had a greater purpose here on Earth. Applewhite really resonated with that, being very spiritual himself. Applewhite also stated later that upon meeting Nettles, he felt like he had known her forever, to which he surmised that they must have met in a previous life. Okay, so you're a Christian. You're a, you're a devout Christian, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Yet believe in past lives. <laughs> you will find in this episode that contradictory. Yeah, I was gonna say it, it's cr- there are Christianity elements with reaches. Okay, <laughs> Applewhite and Nettles, or the two as they would later be known, began developing spiritual theories together. Like I can't imagine meeting someone. Oh yeah, maybe, even if they like shared. If I was very devoutly yes believed in something, yeah. and I met someone who shared that beliefs, I can't. I cannot imagine being like, we should get together and talk about the theories that we have. I completely agree with you. I say the same thing about I knew a person, an attorney that I used to work with that when I asked him how he and his wife met, he was like, oh, we met at a coffee shop. And I was like, you met at a coffee shop? He was like, yeah, she was like in line ahead of me or something. And we started talking and now they're married and have children together. That to me is like a foreign concept that you just meet someone in a random public place and now... You share a life together. I would take that same example to this instance where like they both are at this hospital at the same time and then they get so deeply involved in conversation that it goes into like the meaning of life, the purpose of life, spirituality, religion. Life must have been so different before the internet. That's all I have to say. Good point. That's all I have to say. Good point. All my friends are on Reddit. (laughs) Plus me. (laughs) Plus you. Reddit friends and Leah. (laughs) Believing that they both were of the level above human, they believed they had been sent from outer space to assist others in reaching the next level. But like a nurse at a hospital. Yes. Believes in that. No, I know. (sighs) I've listened to interviews uh, where her daughter said she was always like this. She was, she was very interested in, in astrology and uh, her daughter says, like, sometimes they would go outside together and just look at the stars. And her mom would tell her, like, there are next levels in the universe. They're in outer space. Like, this is something she believed in wholeheartedly for a very long time. Applewhite, in particular, was vaguely described as the reincarnation of a Texan version of Jesus. I'm trying to Okay. Those are the words. Those it's. I'm imagining Jesus with like cowboy boots. A co- cowboy boots and a hat, right? I know. <laughs> An American flag waving behind him. I know. They believed themselves to be the two witnesses mentioned in the biblical book of Revelation. 
They believe that human bodies are just vehicles and that we have to separate ourselves from our humanity if we ever want to achieve the next level. Only when we have separated ourselves from our human desires can we be swept up by a UFO and taken on to the next level. Yeah. Applewhite and Nettles began living together. Nettles, who was married, watched as her husband divorced her and took their children, but she just kept on keeping on with Applewhite. Hi, and thanks for checking out Drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm Cassidy. And I'm Amanda. And this is a podcast dedicated to the mysterious. Are you into conspiracy theories? True crime? Aliens? The paranormal? If so, you might be interested in our podcast, Drinking the Kool-Aid. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Just remember to keep your front door locked, your mind open, and and keep keep drinking drinking the Kool-Aid. Do you believe in Applewhite and Nettles considered each other to be their soulmate. It's also important to note, though, that they had a strictly platonic, non-sexual relationship. In efforts to push their beliefs, the two opened up a bookstore about spirituality and astrology before they began touring the country. I know. I know. This is when I was (laughs) reading the synopsis of them on Wikipedia. My whole thing was like, how? Why? How? Why? How? Why? (laughs) Hawaii. Hawaii. (laughs) Not the state. Not the state of Hawaii, but Hawaii. Yeah. Ignoring earthly laws that they believed did not apply to them, they were arrested for credit card fraud, and Applewhite was later incarcerated for stealing a rental car. There's a lot going on here. Hawaii. Hawaii. (laughs) After Applewhite was released, the two began putting together meetings in the cities that they visited in an attempt to recruit members. I have a picture here of one of the flyers they put up around the towns that they visited to bring people in. Okay. UFOs! (laughs) That's in big, bold print at the top. Why they are here, who they have come for, when they will leave. I can't read the rest because it's way too small. Yeah, it is But it's on red paper. It it draws you in. Yeah, it draws the eye. They held a lot of these meetings in cities and counties that will sound very familiar to us California girls like San Francisco, Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. San Mateo, Mm -hmm. and our home sweet home of Sacramento. Oh, great. In fact, one of their Sacramento meetings was held at what is now the Goodwill on Date Avenue in the North Highlands area. That's crazy, right? These meetings and the fact that the group was beginning to gain followers gained media attention as early as 1975 when the two spoke in front of a group of about 150 people in Waldport, Oregon in 1975 and left with 20 devoted followers. People started paying attention. Who are these followers, right? Who would be willing to up and leave their family, their friends, their jobs and all of their belongings? It's important to note the time period we're talking about here. We're talking about the 70s. The 60s and 70s were huge here in America for religious movements. They were really big into new age movements and separating from the traditional Christian upbringing. Mm -hmm. While it can sound crazy that these people literally left their families to join a group of people that believed they were going to be swept up by UFOs, we actually know that many of these people were very intelligent, very well educated, 
and were just simply looking for a higher meaning and purpose that they hadn't found in other religious and spiritual structures. They also didn't have Netflix at the time, so we have to remember that. <laughs> Netflix, Instagram. Hulu. Hulu nothing. What else are you going to do? Read a book. It is also around this point that the two start going by different names. Sometimes they were called Bo and Peep. Mm-hmm. Or as teased at earlier when I sang the Sound of Music song, they became known as Doe and T. And I remember reading that on Wikipedia and saying like, like the song? Yes. Doe, Mi, Fa, So, La, Ti, Da. Representative of the musical notes C, D, E, F, G, C, A, B, C. You'll never hear that song the same way again, right? <laughs> Doe was the name for Applewhite and T was the name for Nettles. And I should also mention at this point that my husband, Alex, who is extremely supportive of this podcast and is also a weirdo like us that loves true crime and history and cults and all the things, told me that from here forward in this episode, we should refer to each other as Roe and Lee. <laughs> Doe, Doe and T has become Roe and Lee. All right. Roe, continue. <laughs> All right, Lee. Like I mentioned earlier, one of the fundamental beliefs of this group was that they had to get rid of their human, earthly desires in order to move on to the next level. This meant denouncing family, denouncing friends, but more specifically, this meant total and complete celibacy. In fact, before becoming known as Heaven's Gate, one of the original names of this group was the Anonymous Sexaholics Celibate Church. Heaven's Gate definitely rolls off the tongue a bit better. Just a little bit. They also stripped themselves of any sexual or gender identity. I have a picture to show you of the members from the group here, Leah, and you'll see what I mean. Yeah, so it's um, they're all just wearing black. They all cut their hair relatively short. So, yeah, I could see how they're trying to just strip themselves of any gender identity. Yeah, they're, they're all very androgynous looking. Mm-hmm. The members were completely stripped of their identities by giving them new names. Doe and T believed the group was a family, and families have surnames, right? The surname of the Heaven's Gate cult was Odie. They began renaming cult members by taking the first three consonants of their first name, followed up by Odie. So, for example, a follower they had named Sawyer became Soyody. Followers were not allowed to do drugs. They're not allowed to drink and they were not allowed to wear jewelry. They had to stick to a strict diet and so on and so on and so on. They spent most of their time living on campsites and begging for money. At its height, Heaven's Gate boasted some 200 members. But they slowly started falling away. Promises of a spacecraft swooping down to retrieve members wasn't happening. And this super disillusioned people... On one particular occasion in 1976, Doe and T had brought all of their followers to a national forest in Wyoming where a UFO was guaranteed to make an appearance. When no UFO arrived, T announced that she had received word that the UFO had decided to cancel its visit last minute. On another occasion, T told the group that they would be visited by an extraterrestrial. When one didn't appear, T informed the group that this had just been a test of their loyalty. This is straight out of a Parks and Rec is episode. It? This I, is I've never watched Parks and Rec. I know. She's, what are you she hates doing me now. during Corona? Like, <laughs> watching Selena. 
I know, but then you're done. So now watch Parks and Rec. Anyway, this is out of Parks and Rec. I, I mean, it's they might have actually taken this as inspiration. There's an episode where there's a cult that is like the aliens going to come down, and they're like, okay, the aliens gonna come down, but would you mind not parking your campsite and for the end of the world on our public property or something? Yeah, it's maybe really they got good. their inspiration here. It sounds like it. <laughs> we know that around this time, Doe and T began specifically asking people to leave if they didn't believe them to be loyal to the group. Sometime in the late 1970s, the group came into a lot of money. Likely this is the money of the members, uh, like their salaries and stuff. They gave it all to this group. Mm -hmm. This allowed the group to rent a few homes in the Dallas area, but the group was in need of more money. As a collective, they created a business named Higher Source in which they offered web design services to corporate businesses. They did graphic design, systems analysis, and more. And they had the advantage that they all lived together in these houses, right? So they could learn technique from each other and bounce ideas off of each other constantly. I don't know what kind of money they were making. I, I don't know that anyone really knows but they were definitely ahead of the curve here. Web design didn't become popular until the early 90s, and by then, the Heaven's Gate members were more than proficient. Mm. And then something happened that would change everything. Nettles, peep, tea, whatever you would like to call her, she died. Mm. She had cancer and passed away in 1985. When attempting to explain her death, Doe said that she had traveled on to the next level because she was done learning what she needed to learn here on Earth while he had been left behind because he still had more that he needed to do here. He took her death very, very hard and fell into a deep depression. I mean, she was his soulmate. Yeah. When you watch videos of him after her passing, he cries every single time he brings up her name. Something that's interesting to recognize is that while we more commonly associate Marshall Applewhite with being the leader of the Heaven's Gate cult, more modern sociologists have said it was the other way around. That's what I would assume, too, just based on everything mm -hmm. we've heard so far, is mm -hmm. that she was the originator of the ideas and beliefs. Yes. Uh, remember, exactly to what you're saying, Applewhite met Nettles when he was very vulnerable. We don't know exactly what their meeting was like, but we do know that they met in a hospital, potentially because he was in a very, very vulnerable state. And she convinced him of this alternative belief system. Yeah. It's more likely than not that although he was the primary spokesperson for this group, he was more of a follower than a leader. But that was before Nettle's death. In the years following her passing, under the leadership of Applewhite, the group took a drastic, drastic turn. A turn that includes a massive marriage ceremony, castration, and of course, a very, very tragic mass suicide. But that will be saved for next week's episode. Gotcha! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. We will absolutely be sharing the pictures that we discussed, including the really creepy one of Applewhite. Yes. Um, I don't recommend... Can we not make that the first thing they see and give a warning? That would be the first thing they see. And I think that it's good that that's the first thing they see because then they're like, oh my God, I have to listen to this episode. <laughs> okay. We're, we're going to share it to Instagram. 
regardless. We'll figure out the logistics of it. <laughs> and all sources used to put together this episode can be found on our website at hashtag history pod.com. And then subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you use. Share about us with your friends and family and then give us a rate and review. And speaking of Instagram, be sure to check us out on there at hashtag history underscore podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Bye. Bye. Your big bye. <laughs> she, hates <laughs> she hates me. She hates me. She hates me. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Test, test. Tester. Um. Let me let me click over real quick. Okay. No rush. No rush. No rush. I need to eat cheese. So. Okay. <laughs> it's because mm-hmm. there's schnapps with two P's and there's schnapps with one P. This is true. And we learned about that. I don't remember what the difference <laughs> is. <laughs> You're big. <laughs> is that actually the word? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Are you sure? And bright, I don't know. <laughs> you're big. There's something about big and bright at some point. And I see you're big. <laughs> I hope those aren't actually the words, so I'm not just I'm making fun of you for nothing. Look it up. Yeah. You're big. Oh. You're loud. You're tough. I need to hear it sung. Okay. And I see. What is it about you? You're big. <laughs> You're loud. You're tough. All right. Well, it's a stupid line. Then. <laughs> Just your face numb. Yeah. You- oh shit. <laughs> eat, eat some cheese. <laughs> made a big one. <laughs> big one. <laughs> You're big. <laughs> Shut the fuck. That's a lyric. It is the first lyric in NYC. <laughs> Bad songwriting. You're big. That's stupid. <laughs> cool. Okay, now I'm comfy. Now I'm, I'm spread eagle and comfortable now. Okay. Our <laughs> listeners will love to picture that. <laughs> uh, what was they saying? Oh, yeah.